Anime Pulse, episode 517. Hey there, everyone. Your host here, Joseph, back again. Uh, joining me as usual is Andrew Chan. Nice to be back. Yes, much much quicker on the draw this time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, eventually that like, will just overlap, you know. Yeah, eventually we'll just be talking at the same time. Like a fused character or something from Dragon Ball. Yeah, fusion. Ha! Yeah. Yeah, we, at least now we don't have to do the silly dance, since this is all audio. We just have to time our fusion to get it uh, to line up correctly. Mm-hmm. It's the more convenient version. It's like the earrings one, you know, yeah. the, the dance. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's the Batari earrings. All right. Uh, I think we can go ahead and just jump straight into some IRL news. And I went, or you went last week, so I think I'll uh, kick things off. Cool. My week has been pretty much work. Um, On Saturday, I saw Spider-Man Homecoming, which was and wasn't like I thought it'd be. So it's not the best Marvel movie I've seen, not by far. But it was still okay. Um... I do like that they didn't do the whole Uncle Ben thing. I don't. I like that they didn't do a whole origin story. No, no spider bite. No, getting to learn his powers. He he's been he's had these powers for a while now. Um. The the, the young ant that uh, Tony Stark hits on a bunch, which I found pretty amusing, um, and like many characters within the movie. Like, allude to, like, yeah, she's super hot. He has this really hot Italian aunt. Um, what? Yeah, he Wait, has no, this. This is Aunt May? Yeah, Aunt May. She's Italian? Yeah, in this one, she's in a, like, super Italian hottie. Um, <laughs> even though she's, like, in her late 40s, she still looks uh-huh. like she's maybe early 30s. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. She pulls off Fair the, enough. uh, she pulls off the whole, um, MILF teacher kind of you know, like, sexy teacher look. Very easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it did focus a bit on his suit, like, a little too much on his suit, but then the, it, like, had balanced it out because it had a really likable villain, and 
he came to like learn more like I don't need the suit. You know, I am Spider-Man and the suit's just something I wear. Yeah. There's more to being a hero than the suit sort of thing. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's weird that he'd be he's kind of learning this lesson from Tony Stark though, having said that as his mentor and like men like Tony Stark almost entirely relies on the suit, right? So it's kind right. of weird that he's getting that lesson from him. Yeah, and Tony does address that where he does kind of think like um like oh, I can't believe I sound like such a hypocrite. Um and he also like the end of it where uh, I won't spoil anything, but just like Tony realizes that, you know, the, he made the right decision with the kid and the kid made the right decision. And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Um, and of course, if the, uh, the the other things about it, like there there were a lot of different races because he's on this uh, decathlon. And um, it was a mixed bag of, of cultures, but that makes sense because it's a decathlon. You know, you have... The, the very smart Asian people who are on the team, the very smart um, Indian people, uh, the very smart, um, very smart kids. And let's be honest here, they're not usually white because white people, not usually that smart. Uh, we like to think we are, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well. Mm. Ah, sorry, just taking a... Nice long sip of my Henry's hard soda. This time it's uh, orange flavored. Oh, okay. So similar yep. sort of drink as last week. Yep. Last week was purple. This one's orange. Uh, next week, who knows? Maybe red. I might just go and skip all the way to black. Although, is black a color or is it the absence of color? I forget which it is. I, th- I think white is the absence of color and black is a color. Yeah, oh, if, we're, if we're talking in, in terms of like computer screen displays and stuff, like, like RGB values, black would be like all the color values set to max. So, yeah, I suppose that counts. It's like 255 I... on RGB, so. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see, what else have I done with my week? Mm, I got into a manhwa that uh, I heard Tim and Weltall review. Oh. It's uh, Goshu or Goso. It's a, it's a, it's a Mark. A martial arts manhwa. Uh, basic uh, premise of that is some dude gets trained by one of the most powerful men to be his disciple on the entire planet. And he goes out to kill these people who betrayed his uh, his master. And the first place he goes to uh, have like a, you know, a lunch before going on his journey, like the waitress there's like, yeah, they're all dead. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, all the people you just mentioned, all the, like, the people that fought the holy, the heavenly emperor, whatever his name is, like, yeah, they're dead. They've been dead for ages. And so he's just like, what, but what do I do now? That was my whole purpose. My whole purpose was to find and kill all my master's betrayers. Oh. And, and so then he starts working as a delivery boy at the, uh, at the uh, restaurant, which makes dumplings. And uh, uh, and then he still gets into fights, and it's kind of gone downhill from there because originally it was like, oh, it's kind of funny because this is, he's a super powerful uh, delivery boy, and he he fights like the occasional super badass here and there, but it was never anything dramatic. 
But now it's like, oh, are they actually dead? Oh, they could have disciples too. You should fight them. You know, and the last chapter, I'm all caught up on it right now. It's there are a lot of loose ends and the quote season one ended and there's a lot of things that it really didn't explain. Mm. And it got to kind of a ridiculous Super Saiyan level of fighting where it's like Super Black Hole level 10 against your Talon Lightning Hawk screeching through the sky to star disaster. It's, all right, well, you could just, you know, fight each other instead of, you know, but, you know, this is fine too. Mm, just kind of goes a little bit too far on that sort of side of things. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird because when you first were explaining at the start, I was kind of getting kind of a, a Mao-sama, kind of like, you know, the devil's a part-timer sort of a vibe from it. Like, it was going to be one thing, but then it was going to go full comedy because, you know, him working and delivering dumplings sounds like it goes full comedy right. at some point. But yeah. it, it kind of leans more towards the action side of things if, you, if you're talking about it going Super oh, Saiyan level. Oh, yeah. Like, later on, it's just, it's all action. That's all it is. And... Because it's a manhwa, they do the long panels. They don't have regular um, manga pages. So it's like you have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling down. And it's separated so far apart that it's just... Sometimes it's not even worth it. It's like you scroll all the way down and it's a close-up on an eye. And it's like, well, really? Come on. I get that you like drawing eyes, but like the eyes that they draw in this... like I could probably ha- list half the panels in this entire first season and they're just eyeballs. Mm. Just close so it's kind of like fight, It's kind of like fighting filler. Um, yeah, com- makes it a complete nightmare for any company that would want to, you know, try and make an anime version of this because yeah. then they have to filler in so many things, and that's why you get so many of those reaction shots. It's one of the reasons Bleach went so downhill because there were just so many pages that were just white or just lots of black background and falling in a big double page spread. He's quite popular, quite famous for his double page spreads that just basically take up time. It's like yeah, he. Uh... Both him and Naruto's um, mangaka, they, they took too long. They should have mm. cut to the chase a bit sooner. Uh, they had too much filler. They wasted too much time. Uh, even in the mangas. Yeah. Where it was just like, you had so many characters that came up as like these potential threats that in the end were just like a pittance compared to the final bosses who were like, I am now creating two universes to destroy you. And he's like, no, I create a supernova to explode your universes. And all right, well, there's one anime out there that did this correctly. And Tenken Tobogoro Lagan is buried in the sand somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I've seen episode one of that i really should you know continue with that because i've heard so many good things about it's, it it's it's a fantastic series and i think they try to do like a reboot of it or something like that i've heard yeah i've heard news of something like that some Which sort of made maybe no a sense. sequel even no yeah. it wasn't a sequel it was like they try to redo it with like better graphics and which i don't know mm. how you could do that because tank and topa girl Lagan was amazing with its graphics yeah um and it's it's writing was pretty good so maybe they're just trying to fix some of the tweaking here and there but hell it made me cry a couple times okay wow so yeah it's powerful mm-hmm. hits yeah. hits quite there yeah yeah just hits the right spot sounds good so yeah i've been reading that i caught up on it uh, actually just before we started um i did a lot of baking today i made a few different things i made some uh these cookies which are called mm-hmm. uh, uh snowstorm cookies they're like chocolate chip cookies with uh, brown sugar mixed into it, and uh, they have like snowflake pieces in them, which are like these 
uh, white chocolate snowflake pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made lemon bars. Lemon uh, like bars. a yeah, a giant thing of lemon bars. And I made uh, apple spice, apple spice uh, cupcakes with uh, salted caramel uh, frosting. Ah, salted caramel, that is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds. This all sounds like really good stuff. Um, yeah. So baking, sort of your main expertise when it comes to the cooking side of things, like so it's like baking your specialty. Yeah, baking is my specialty because it's more of a chemistry. It's more of a follow these directions and you'll get the result instead of cooking, which is mm. like I'll add a dash of that and a splash of this and let's see what we got. I'm not a big person when it comes to um, cooking in general. Like I like having food prepared ahead of time where it's like, I'll just open up this packet and it's a, mm. a single wrap. I munch down on that for lunch and I'm good to go. Yeah. Like baking's almost like all preparation because like you, whether it's going to be good or not, you know, when it comes out the oven, it's all determined before you even put it in the oven. Whilst like with cooking, it's like the frying bit has to be done right. You add things at the right time. So yeah, you have like, to do it all. Like everything has to be mm-hmm. perfect. I mean, the oven can still mess things up if you have a bad oven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's an art to getting the mixture just right. So yeah, or you bake it too long, you bake it too little, but then again, that's on your fault. It's not the oven's fault for doing it. Yeah, um, of course. But yeah, I did some baking today, and yeah, I uh, I had a pretty good week. I'm still waiting on some stamps from the post office to arrive in the mail, but uh, I got a new filter for my air purifier in my room. I mm-hmm. finished playing through Fallout New Vegas. Uh, I got some achievements that I hadn't gotten for the Gunrunner Challenges. Which uh, which was amusing, um, but now I'm done with Fallout New Vegas. I installed it so I can no longer even look at it anymore. Uh, I've gone back to playing Pokemon Moon, which I bought last week, and uh, I've been enjoying so far. I've been getting some like super urges to do some uh, to commission some artists to make some um, to make some uh, short non H Dojin of. Uh, um, Lily and the protagonists. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lily's the one with the, bl- the blonde hair, the short yeah, girl. Yeah, the, the well, mm. not really short, but she's the one with like the, all the white dress, with, like the big, wide, white-brimmed hat. Ah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Know which one? Uh, which which protagonist do you mean? The main protagonist who play in the in the game, not Ash. Yeah. Ash is. Uh, uh, but the the male the one biggest. or the female one? Oh, uh, male one. Male yeah. One. Okay. Yeah, I, I never play female characters. I actually played one female character ever, and it was in Mass Effect Two, um, mm. and that was because I wanted to get all the different achievements in the game. So I played through Mass Effect Two as every single different type of, uh, every single different uh, companion you could romance. So technically, yeah. I played more than just one female character, but she always looked the same. I never made her look different. Uh, well, you you mean like if you have a choice, right? Because I mean, like if you're playing something like Tomb Raider or Metroid or a game like that where the female ca- female character just happens to be the only protagonist in it, would you right? Play that? Like so, if you yeah. get a choice where yeah. you know Mass Effect or Pokemon or uh, Dragon Age or really any JRPG almost where it's just like do you want to be male or female, you know, what's your name, what do you look like, that kind of thing. I almost always go male because. I can't really relate to being a female because, well, I'm not a girl. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But I, I guess at the same time, you know, the avatar you have is almost like this blank slate, empty kind of just shell and you're possessing them during the duration of the game. They barely talk or anything as well. So 
it's it's kind of like I, well, whenever I'm playing a game, I don't really see like when I have the male character anyway. I don't really see it as that is me or something. It's just kind of you're you're this is like an empty husk that's yeah. you're entering the world through sort of thing. I actually take that back. There was one time I enjoyed playing a female character, but that's because you could change your gender. Um, oh. That was in uh, Saints Row uh, Reelected, where you oh. can change your gender at these uh, stores where you can go in and just get your gender changed. It costs money. But yeah. it was, I did play that game for a grand majority. Anytime there were cutscenes, I always made sure I was the male character. And anytime I was romancing any of the male characters, I would always play a female. Because there are male characters you can romance on your ship uh, because aliens come and they destroy the world. And so you have to fight the aliens. But while you're doing that, you recruit all the people that are in like a Matrix-esque area of the aliens world that they created to reenact earth um and so you go through and recruit them and you can change your gender and like the female character i had in that one i was just like i'm gonna have fun with her and so i had a lot of fun designing her character just like all right i'm gonna give her this kind of hairstyle be this long this color Mm. and this kind of body type she was kind of like a really tall amazon woman with like Uh super just like super buff not not buff like you know those women you see at like the the shows where they walk down the thing and they're just like got like muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger but like you know someone that looks like she could probably beat up beat me up which isn't too difficult there are a lot of girls that could beat me up but I mean like that would like punch me instead of like kneeing me to the groin yeah yeah mm-hmm. fair enough yeah so, did you do anything crazy like you know you can change like their skin color to be green or make the voice really really wacky or something or, no i did like, more something like if i was going to create a female character that would just like be and you know an enjoyable fun time to just watch you know flying around i gave her uh a nice ass because you're going to be looking at your character's ass a lot because you're running and while you're running what are you looking at their ass and it's just like well I'm going to give her a nice ass. So I gave her a nice ass. I also gave her, I think it was like pink and purple pigtails. So she was uh, Harley before Harley had her new hairstyle. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. She mm-hmm. also had like this Hello Kitty backpack and kind of a cute attire. Um, it's like form-fitting uh, like leather tight pants. And uh, I forget what her jacket was. But yeah, it's and her skin tone was like kind of darker, more tan. So I had fun. That's how I had fun with that character. But yeah, uh, going back to the original uh, thing, the I just wanted to see like maybe some artwork between those two because the it's just so adorable because it's just like just I I just want mm-hmm. them to like get together and it's just like it's like <laughs> it's like taking two dolls and it's like kiss 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 come on do it. <laughs> but they never do, and and I know how the game ends, and I'm like, damn it, come on, man, yeah, say something, mm-hmm. do something, and it's just no, it doesn't happen, and so it's just like, fucking Pokemon games, stop being so just like, tee hee hee, they're holding hands, just let them kiss already. It's 2017, mm-hmm. kissing is they've like got, holding hands. Better over the years uh, about like you know putting those sort of, that sort of subtext into the Pokemon games, like with X and Y with that. Uh... I forgot her name. There's a girl with pigtails in that as well. Where I think it was like uh, the guy who was behind writing her or something said that that her lines were specifically written in a way that she would address a boyfriend with, or you know, like almost in like in an implying tone, like she would address you almost like she was she was going out with you, sort of thing. 
and that almost adds more to that sort of undertone. So, but they just never go full out with it because you know E for everyone, and you know Nintendo's family friendly, and they don't want to go too much into that yeah. unless it's part of the game like Fire Emblem, where you know then so, it's all about just, mm-hmm. so dumb Nintendo and their their family friendly bullshit, where it's like you have Street Fighter, where you're playing people beating up other people. And what they get nitpicky about is like, oh, that costume's too risque, or that maneuver there is a little too, a little too mm. much. And it's like, I'm playing a dude who's beating the shit out of a girl. You calling that mm. family friendly? Nintendo, take your sticks out of your asses, because they are messing with your brains. Well, in their defense, Cap, uh, you know, Street Fighter is owned by Capcom, so it's a third party company, and you know, it's not first party Nintendo stuff. So I think they're mainly referring to their own stuff, like you know. Your, your Metroids, your Zeldas, your Pokemons, you know. Yeah, Kirby. well, Nintendo doesn't own Pokemon. It's Game Freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Pokemon Company, I believe. Uh, they have a percentage of it, but yeah, not 100%. And, but, and yeah. Samus in, in her skin-tight fitting suit. And Bayonetta. Let's talk about Bayonetta. The girl whose <laughs> hair covers her body and then disappears when you perform silly arts. And all of her attacks are sexual in some kind of nature. So, mm. yeah, th- yeah that, Nintendo, real family-friendly. Mm. Yeah, Nintendo, you're so family-friendly. Yeah. Um, I hate Nintendo. Bo- yeah. I really do. <laughs> they it's suck little, so much. Little, mm, they're a bit inconsistent in terms of like, their, their image. I like them as, as game makers, but as yes. a company itself, they can be a bit inconsistent yes. and flaky. So, I, I think yeah. they should go the way of Sega and just be like, you know what? We're not making consoles anymore. Let's just make games. And be like, mm. yeah, I'd do that. I'll play your video games on an Xbox. They're, they're kind of testing the waters a bit, you know, and expanding in other ways because, you know, with them now, you know, releasing apps and stuff and, you know, moving elsewhere. So, you know, we don't know what, where it's going to go in the future, but, you know, with the success of the Switch, um, or kind of success of the Switch because it's so understocked all the time, um, you know, it, it could still be sticking with this for a while. I don't know. I, I kind of... I kind of assumed that, you no, know, I made a kind of prediction that maybe one day we'd get, like, a phone. They'd make, even just go full phones, because that would be a kind of a avenue they could go down and be almost like a, a, yeah. a counter to the Samsungs and the, the Apples out there. Not, not until they figure out how to do wireless communication, because, oh boy, right oh, now yeah. they have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I can't help but hear constant stories about, like, how a nightmare their online service is. Uh, they just don't get it. They just don't... They don't pay attention to their competition in terms of how to actually make a successful like online system work, which is which is what's really vexing because you know Xbox Live is like was it at least seven years old, ten years old or something now, and yep. you know it's still better than their service. It's like something that's ten years old is still yeah, they, better they, than they're not service. even on the radar. The only two competitors mm. here are Sony and Microsoft when it comes yeah. to uh, online competitive or even online play where you have voice communication. Because mm-hmm. it exists on Nintendo, but it sucks. Because mm-hmm. like there's the, new games like Arms and Splatoon Two, they have a huge chance of getting like a really big online community and for it to be like a really big online game thing. But they've released like this app that you use. You heard about this app? That yeah, you had to get the app have, on the yeah. phone. You have to get the connectors <laughs> to plug into the headsets, to plug into the the yeah. phone, to plug into these other connectors, and it's just like. And then you have to plug it into an actual outlet, and it's what are you doing, Nintendo? You're shooting yeah, I, yourself in the foot at the get-go. It's a real crying shame, really. They just don't get it. And their censorship mm. policies are whack, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, censorship policies on... On anything that's like in adult nature or anything else like that. 
just all the censorship they do to all their video games, like the censorship they did in in, Fi- in uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, the censorship they pulled off in uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like any mm-hmm. other any, any of the games, and, and these are games like on the fucking on the on the 3DS where it's just like yeah, I'm really getting turned on by that pixelated body that's wearing a leotard. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they can get a bit kind of uh, overprotective of their sort of image a bit too much, and it yeah it doesn't doesn't help them. They just they just don't have they just don't. They either need to go by their standards and be completely kid friendly, so they have no adult material, so that way they can go the way of the dinosaur and die with the rest of the other game makers that didn't move on with life, or they can actually be like, you know what, we're more of an E for everyone people, which includes adults. So let's put out some games that actually attract in the older crowd. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. In any case, we've been uh, ranting. Uh, my IRL news is over. How about yours? Okay. Uh, well, um, today I ended up just driving all the way to Glasgow. As I mentioned the previous week, I was going to be going in to get my deposit back. That didn't go very well. There were damages to the floor. Ooh. Um, since the since I started staying there, uh, my flatmate had a few issues with like a chair or something and it caused like the floor to kind of peel off a bit and because of uh, the damage was built up over the years and because it didn't really get repaired properly um they had to get new laminate flooring so basically it's gonna ch- she ended up having to pay way more than our deposit was so in the end i drove there only to be do- only to be told that no you're not getting your deposit back um we had a big talk over it but uh we just sort of settled on okay well at the very least it wasn't a full month's deposit which is uh, better than quite a lot of places I've stayed in, in the past, so we just kind of let, just let it be uh, as it is because it would have just been 150 each for me and my flatmate. So we moved on, and then we just kind of settled on, um, you know, just like just blowing off some steams. So went to Megabytes, which is the first time I've been there. It's a gaming cafe, mm-hmm. so he took me there, and yeah, it's, it's, it was a really good experience actually. Um, they have all the consoles there. You got your you got your Wii's, your GameCube's, PlayStation Three, all that sort of stuff. I don't think they've got an Xbox One or ps4 though uh, yeah the, just... the later mm-hmm. the latest edition uh consoles are usually not there yeah so it was my, my first time there had to, you get food you get drinks and we just played some mario party just something casual uh yeah. since uh my uh, my flatmates well my ex-flatmates girlfriend is going to be leaving so it was my last time seeing her before she goes back to poland uh next week so yeah that's pretty much the the, the, the irl irl stuff but at the same time i wanted to use this sort of segment to quickly like blast through the shotgun round that I mentioned previously mm-hmm. about just like the, the shows that I probably won't be previewing, but like ones that are either dropped or just like, yeah, they're good. And just kind of sum them up in about two sentences ish each just really quickly. Yeah. So we got gamers heard of that, heard of that one. It's a light novel ish rom-com and it's at least more about video games than new games. So it has that going for it. So like rom-com yeah. there's, Isekai Shokudo, which is a relaxing show with likable characters. It's kind of like Flying Witch in that sort of relaxation department, mixed with a touch of Food Wars in there. But oh. it has more of a fantasy leaning to it. So, nice. Yeah, so it's a mix of that, but it's more relaxing than Food Wars. It's definitely not as shown in me as that. There's <laughs> Jika no Shihaisha, which um, was a pretty cut-and-paste action fantasy in the same sort of genre. It's trying to be the same sort of genre as Full Metal Alchemist. Though nowhere near as good. It's like the story mode in an Arc System Works fighting game, which is usually the worst part of those games. So There's Kepeki da- Danshi Aoyama-kun, which aka Aoyama-kun Deska, 
or aka Haven't You Heard, I'm Aoyama. Basically, if, if you like Sakamoto from wh- whichever season that was from, you'll yep. like this show. Sakamoto Deska. That's the one. Yeah, that, <laughs> and, was, uh, that was really good. Did, did you like that show? Yeah, it's the same kind of humour of this one. But it's, it's, it's themed under the football sports and the, the Aoyama-kun's like this really neat freak, kind of clean, super OCD clean guy. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's also younger too. Yeah, I think um, uh, Yamada Kun was high school, like senior, and yeah. that looked mm-hmm. to be more like mm-hmm. maybe middle school. Uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's either middle school or first year high school. It's definitely not the graduating year, I don't think. So junior high, maybe then. Yeah. Uh, of there, there is no junior yeah. high in in Japan. Yeah. There's, there's just middle school and high school. Unlike, yeah, in the UK we don't have know. junior high either. We just have primary school and high school as well. So yeah, we're we're kind of silly here. That's a transitional period, I suppose, where it's like you know, uh, I guess that would be like the first and second year of high school here is junior high there. I'm I'm not really sure how what age what age would you be? Uh, let's see here in middle school. Let's see here when I started high school, which was in two thousand and four. I was, let's see here, I was 18 when I graduated, so 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, uh, 11. So right around 11, 11 to 12, okay. you typically yeah. start uh, junior high? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's, that's when you start kind of high school here as well. So yeah, we, we just have a longer period of high school whilst you have junior high, high school places split into junior high and high school. So that kind of works i suppose yeah anyway next there was nanamaru sanbatsu which is a standard anime about trivia and quizzes while it's not really bad it fails from the start in it it fails from the start of making it really make quizzes seem exciting or like really like it doesn't go over the top or comedic enough but it's kind of standard fare right it's not like that puzzle mm, anime that came out puzzle uh, anime yeah it was a while back where it was like the the dude was really good at solving puzzles um and like everything about it looks like them battling using puzzles and he would like he would solve these like uh, super puzzles with like activating his mind's like puzzle master or something like that i can't remember what it was called but i watched like the first two seasons that was okay and then the third season just dropped the ball and the fourth season was terrible so um if i can't remember but it's like this dude who has like almost like an afro uh, of uh, hair okay like mm-hmm. Jewish afro though, not like regular um not like your regular afro but like like a wavy giant head of hair and uh but yeah, it, it, not like that because that was all very resolved around puzzles and it was like, "Oh, these famous puzzles and let's see how they're solved." Yeah, that sounds a lot more exciting. This one kind of just cuz you know, it's, it's the art of the fastest finger, you know, it's all about like buzzing at the correct time and all that sort of stuff, you know, like buzz first before you even think of the answer as long as you know the subject well enough. That you could think of the answer while it's while the buzzers went off, sort of thing. It's that sort of thing. It, it goes at a bit more serious, and uh, I don't know. You just can't take it that seriously when it's uh, it's just simple school quizzes. So yeah, there's that. Like, beep, 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 beep. What is a bad anime? That's correct. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't think it's te- necessarily terrible. You could get some entertainment out of it, but yeah, it's, it's not nothing really thrilling to it. I'll take uh, mediocre for a hundred. Take mediocre for a hundred. Sorry. Yeah, Jeopardy. You uh, don't know what Jeopardy is? I've heard of it. What? Yeah, Jeopardy is a uh, game show, and 
you have to answer whenever you do answers you have to say what is a or -hmm. what is the instead of just answering like you know poland or something like that when you hit the buzzer you have to say what is poland that is correct if you don't say what is you don't get the points um right and the categories are always like they're always just listed like you know famous archipelagos what if i was a father something like that or it's like I'll take uh, what if I was a father for a hundred. That's a daily double. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. I didn't really know these rules, but I didn't know like that a, this like, didn't tricky. exist over there. Mm-hmm. Huh. Would it be correct to call you European? Yeah, yeah. We're okay. we're still in Europe. I mean, we're we're not as um, integrated as well with the rest of Europe, even though we're, you know we're still in the EU. But even like otherwise, we're still in Europe. Um, but we're just not as well integrated with them. Uh, so even though that is a separate thing, we're still technically European, yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Shokoku no Alter, which was very okay. It's got... Uh, the episode just set up the world. It had a lot of political drama, which is probably going to be touched upon later on. Um, the setting was decent, but none of the characters drew me in, so I was a little bit bored. It's like an Arabian Nights sort of thing. Kind of. Ah, fast, so... so. It wasn't like um, the uh, the epic that came out recently with uh, the prince, the white-haired uh, prince. Why oh, can't no? I remember its name? Sure. Um, curses. <laughs> it was. It was the uh, the. It's like a Parisian epic. Mm, not sure. Uh, was that an anime prince, as well, or a live-action film, or Andragos the Third, or something like that? Mm. Uh, you, you keep talking. I'll look this up. Okay, uh, next is Vatican Kiseki Chosokan, Chosakan or something, uh, I can't pronounce it. Uh, this anime was more boring than church, all they did was yak yak yak, they didn't even shoot anybody. 18F, have you ever had a dream that you, um, you had your, you could, you'll do, you, you, that's the, I'm quoting a meme basically about the mm-hmm. dreams. It's about dreams basically, it's pretty simple and enjoyable but it's very, um, it's not very imaginative for something that takes place in dreams so it's very, actually quite simple. It doesn't really sell its ideas super well, but it gets the job sort of done, so it's okay. Then there's Dive, which is more like Dive or Bodies. It's unsubtle uh, of how much fan service it has aimed at kind of the girls out there, I suppose, because like, they're staring at them doing their diving, but really the camera's just looking at their midriff all the time. So it's like subtle revenge for Kaicho, I suppose. You could you could assume. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's Tenshi no Free P, which is more like Roku Two, or your second choice is your second chance to join the FBI watch list. Um, <laughs> you know what Roku Two is? Uh, that was the damn it. I know it was a Lolicon anime, basically. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm referencing. There. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Um... The one about the teacher and the three elementary students. Teacher and three elementary school students. Uh, what did they do in it? Uh, it's like the dude. Um, he just teaches there, and it's anime three. I think I've heard of this one actually, but I don't think I've seen it. Uh, Komodo no Jikan. Uh, I've heard of I've heard the name, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. basically it's just like. Regular yeah. adult teacher, you know, he has a crush on his coworker, but it's like these three 
elementary students who all like are way too perverted and they do a lot of very sexual things around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Similar, similar sort of note. Uh, then there's the Reflection Wave 1, which, while I don't know if it's very incompetent or pretentious, it certainly wasn't entertaining outside of the how jarring the scenes were. Um, but Stan Lee says it's good, so yeah, <laughs> apparently. Uh, shokuku, shokuku, shokoku, yokai apartment no yuga na nichijou. Well, while it's not one of the worst from this season, it's probably one of the most disappointing in how it tackled its subject matter. You'd think a whole apartment building full of yokai was going to be really interesting, but it's kind of boring overall. Then there's Hina Logi, or From Luck and Logic, which is basically My Magical Girl Academia, with a little bit of flip-flappers sprinkled in for good measure. Then there's Maiden Abyss, which I just checked out yesterday was actually a very captivating anime. The characters and setting are full of charm, and it seems to have potential to be quite a nice little adventure story, so definitely recommending that one so far. And then their last one was Hitorijimi, My Hero, which, it was a trap. Like, the blurb on Anichar and the poster didn't change after I'd watched it, I swear. And, like, back then it wasn't obvious that it was strictly for the Fujoshis. It's all about these guys that are attracted to each other, so... If you like Fujoshi-orientated media, this one's for you. (laughs) I got tricked. Like, even before the opening, like, I thought it was going to be just like, it was kind of like about, you know, this gang of guys that were bullying this other guy, and I thought it was going to be about, you know, just like him dealing with the bullies or something. But no, it goes into, like, from the opening, it's like, oh, okay, it's about boy love. Okay, right. So, yeah, that's, I think that, that does it, though. That's pretty much every... Every show besides the previews I'm going to go into that I've seen this season, including the previous previews, so, yeah. That's just a lineup for IRL, because there wasn't much else that happened IRL. Okay. Uh, did you manage to find the name of the... I didn't. I looked through ah. it. Like, one of, like, the main ba- like main good guy's names that tags along with the prince is uh, Darium. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, this badass spear user. Um, and the whole premise of the story is just, like, the... Uh, the kid's like, um, the, it's a prince of this, uh, great king named, uh, Andragolus III, and the king had built his empire upon slavery, which was a really shaky foundation because all the slaves revolted, and, uh, the first big battle that the prince goes to, um, he ends up fighting, or the other side ends up enlisting the help of this a guy named General Silvermask. Oh, that that might actually pull it up. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Ah, the heroic legend of Arslan. Oh, I've heard of this one actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. damn good anime. Um, mm. But uh, very much a Parisian epic. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're going for something similar with the. With Whichever show it was, I can't remember the name of right. so, Something no Altair that I was mentioning. Yeah, there's a similar sort of edge to it. Okay. I just wasn't really grabbed by the characters in that one. So, yeah. Alright. Well, I think we can now go ahead and jump into some industry news. Of which this week I have one article. 
And I'll get us started here with a survey that was conducted to find the Japanese women's ideal husband. And shocker, it's actually pretty ordinary. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, asking about 556 unmarried Japanese women in their 20s to 40s about their husband's preference, or about their husband preferences, they asked which occupation their dream husband would have. The results are as follows. Number six, an advertising agency or television station with 2%. Uh, five, a manager with 2%. Four, a tax accountant with 4%. Uh, also at four, no preference at 7%. Number three is a doctor at 7%. Number two is a civil servant, 38%. And number one is a major trading firm or a manufacturing company at 40%. So yeah. basically something of a very, very stable job. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I suppose the important thing to note, I guess, is that the, the survey says husband specifically, not like, you know, oh, romantic fling or boyfriend or, you know, dating sort of thing. It was like... When it's husband, it's suppose it's like settled down. So I guess there would be a bit more of a lean towards stability, like you know something that is more secure. So I guess it, yeah. in a way it kind of supports that. Um, I also can't help but wonder, like you know, you know when people don't necessarily like, there's like an image they have to put out of like you know what I what I want, but like maybe deep inside they want something different than that. Like I can't help but, but wonder if it's like since it's a public survey sort of thing, I'm wondering if it's like. Mm, this is what I think everybody should want, but like not necessarily what they individually would all want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In fact, it went on to say that uh, job stability and high income were deciding factors. Salary mm. men were also perceived as diligent and earnest individuals who could discuss a wide variety of topics and hold interesting conversations. However, doctors were in low demand, saying that they could be pulled away to do shift work and would be away from the family a lot. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the ideal partner's salary, starting at number five, was three to three million to four point ninety nine million yen, which is two percent. Uh, okay. Uh, number four was no percent or no preference with six percent. Number three was more than nine million yen with eleven percent. Number seven or number two was seven to eight point eight or eight point nine nine million yen, which is thirty four percent. However. At number one was five million to six point nine nine million, which is about forty-five thousand dollars to sixty-three thousand dollars at forty-seven percent of votes. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, basically mm. close to fifty percent of the women who were surveyed said that forty-five thousand dollars was an acceptable income, which, as mm -hmm. we all know today, is kind of on the lower half of a living wage. Four five thousand dollars. Yeah, for like a family income, to be mm -hmm. like the breadwinner in the family is actually kind of on the low side. You'd have to be kind of uh, uh, frugal with your expenditures. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just trying to like immediately do the calculations of that kind of into like, you know, British pounds as well and be like, uh, that's about 22,000 pounds, I think. It's, yeah, which is, I guess, yeah, it's a yep. very manageable, like, set. yeah, so it's not, it's quite for, a low, For like a single yeah, person... Mm -hmm. That would be like, oh, that'd be a great income for a single person because you have all this mm. money if you're a bachelor. But if for a family, you're basically feeding, you know, if, let's say a family of four. That's, yeah. you know, your wife, your two children, yourself. It gets spread thin. Yeah, when, when, when kids are in the equation, then it's just like, yep, all downhill from there unless you're prepared. So, yeah. 
Yeah, Love the, that I the speak main... as if I've got experience, but... <laughs> yeah. The main thing here is that um, uh, while 11% favored high-income earners, who are probably staunch believers of men being the sole provider, they said that it would make raising a child and life in general easier. Uh, so yeah. that's what the, the higher elevation incomes wanted to be. Uh, the lower ones basically being like they'd be more of a you know family man because they'd be there for them all the time because it would be more of a challenge. Yeah. It's, the, uh, uh, would, it, would it be kind of like they would stretch to like, they would also be more likely to hold like part-time work themselves and be like, you know, we'll do it like as a team sort of thing, you know. I'll yeah, be instead of just like, being yeah. like, I do, I'll do everything and everyone has to bow down to my will. Yeah. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also asked what one trait they would not tolerate in any marriage partner. And number <laughs> eight <fun>. is... <laughs> Complaining a lot at 1%. Number seven is overweight at 1%. Number six is mother complex at 3%. Number five is arrogant at 4%. Number four is stingy at 8%. Number three is tendency to cheat at 19%. Number two is filthy, as in, you know, general hygiene, 24%. And number one, gambling addiction at 40%. Mmm. Yeah, so gambling again, can be a kind real of, problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of based all around money when it comes to what the number one um, result was here. Or it's just like, you know, we're, we're making the least amount of money, so let's not have someone who's going to be spending all that money on gambling. I'm kind of surprised, though, that the hygiene one was higher than tendency to cheat, because I was thinking, like, that would either be one or two, but I didn't expect hygiene to be above tendency to cheat. Do you think? I think it would be, I mean, do you imagine having to spend, like, a, a, a husband who is completely faithful, or a wife who is completely faithful to you, and she or he is just dirty and nasty, doesn't take showers, they stink all the time, you know, the mm. room is is disgusting because they don't clean it, or they just don't in general do any kind of cleaning, and they're just disgustingly filthy. I would mm. not live with that. I'd rather have a wife... Or a husband who goes around and sleeps around um, than someone who just is constantly dirty. Mm. But, I mean, it feels like, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're living with somebody, like, as a, as a spouse or something, that that's something that could be more easily reformed, like the hygiene sort of thing. You know, like, that's something that you could maybe more easily work on than they have a tendency to, like, you know, not keep it just in their pants and stuff, you know, when they're around other people. Mm. I don't know about that. Could lead to a lot of, uh, oh, yeah, it could lead a lot of, to a lot of awkward, yeah, I guess it's, ba- I guess either's a bad influence on the children, I suppose, but, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, kick it into yours. What do you got? Okay. Um, so, f- fans of the, you know, fictional sport Kaicho from last year's anime of the same name um, can um, maybe expect for it to become a, a real up-and-coming sport because a bunch of Portuguese fans have started trying to, you know, create, make it into a real-life thing. So they've got platforms, and they've had to rework the rules a little bit. So, you know, it's the same sort of thing. The sport involves being on a raft, and your only method of knocking the other person out is with your chest or your buttocks to, to get Which, them off. now that I think about it, is also a game that's in um, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah, um... Amongst other things, I guess that game is does more than just the volleyball. I guess I've never played it myself, but it's oh yeah, quite they fam- they it's got like all different kinds of like mini games, and one of them is 
two girls on a platform and you have to bump each other off using your butts. Right, so it was already kind of based on something, I suppose. Maybe he played that before he made that manga, initially. Possibly. Yeah, so they have, they're having to make the, they're having to modify the rules to make the game a bit more safer and realistic in real life. So you're, you're not going to see any, like, special, like, moves with, like, <laughs> butt missiles or butt guillotines or something like that. But they, they have, um, you know, created some sw- specialized uh, wear, like, padding on impact zones, such as the chest and the buttocks again, uh, to protect those areas for when they're actually bumping into each other. Because you can imagine it would be really painful if they were really full force trying to force each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, this isn't so. just like, teehee, I'll... I'll bump you with my boobies. No, this is like hardcore. Yeah, exactly. So that yeah, is, they're having to that's make kind of bruise. There's going to be padding and equipment. So yeah, uh, Keijo, or, or sorry, Kaicho Portugal is currently in its planning stages, and they're going to be looking for interesting players um, to set up like venues and practice matches. Um, there's no official start announced at the moment, but you know, if you know the article ends off with like you know for for. A, we might in our lifetime see uh, Kaicho actually become an Olympic, Olympic event, and what a weird world that would be. But uh, yeah, I would say that like I would hope they'd find it difficult to find women who would be willing to be so blatantly used as like I don't want to say sexual objects, but let's face it, the manga was definitely like a fat oh, yeah, fest the manga for, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was just like look at girls rubbing each other with their boobs and their butts, just like. Ah, and they're, like they're just moaning and and, and yelling and stuff, and it, it's you know. But uh, then again, you got uh, you got what was it? Was a uh, rollerball was actually made into a real sport for a while. Oh, yeah, really? Who thought that would happen? I didn't. Mm-hmm. That's certainly. Yeah. So yeah. And, I mean, suppose so, so. So long as it's all like you know, it was started off by like you know fans of it, you know, girls who clearly were inspired in some way by it to start up the sport even. So I suppose if they've, if they've changed the rules around, it's just sort of based on it. Um, it shouldn't be made into too much of like a, you know, gross spectacle, not, not more than something like beach volleyball is considered like a serious sport as well. So, you know, of that sort of nature would be still kind of, I guess, acceptable. All right. Okay. Well, I guess with that, we can, wrap up our industry news and move on into our hybrid previews reviews thing which is going on um what do you mean no in the world i will let you go first and then i'll go since i just have a review and then you can end us off with a preview so start with the first preview then Yep, or, go on. Yes, yeah, so, so a sandwich, a preview sandwich with a review yeah. in the middle. Right. Okay. I got the meat, you got the bread. Cool, right, fair enough. I'll start off with the light one. It's uh, I'm going to be previewing first Action Heroine Cheerfruits, which is a uh, pretty simple yet entertaining show about live-action stage shows of superheroes sort of thing. Um, so the show starts off with a live superheroine called uh, a show being played on TV called Ultra Celestial Kamidayo of Kamiyari City. So it's being broadcast on television. It's like a, a live stage show of the wireworks and everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it features like the heroine is like this motorcyclist who transforms into kind of like the shrine maiden sort of character. And she fights your kind of generic like Sentai Power Rangers sort of boss in it. Um, 
it shows two of our central characters watching it in separate places at once. Um, the long-haired, silver-haired girl uh, called Kise is watching it, just kind of like, well, passively watching it with her little sister who's like right up at the TV screen. So her little sister's like the elementary school like girl who's like really, really into it because, you know, she likes superheroes and stuff. And she's really getting into it, sh- into the show. And then it, it then um, goes to like a shot of a short-haired brunette called Akagi, who's also the same age as Kise, and watching it, and she's getting into it just as much as Casey's little sister is, so like they're both really big fans of it. Um, and Kamigayo is then established to be the most popular local heroine fighter, and it has then become somewhat of a trend for towns throughout Japan to create their own local heroines. You know, it's sort of like town mascots for like live shows. Mm-hmm. And the story is going to be focused on Hinano City, a town that's a little late to join this trend, which is what this uh, anime is kind of going to be focusing on them trying to build up their own sort of action superhero thing. Um, so yeah, uh, we then go into the opening, which obviously won't be the permanent one. It's kind of like a fake one for that Kami Dayo show that was mentioned previously. Kind of like if anybody's seen Bakuman, uh, where there's like a fake opening for that, that's made, based on like the, the manga that the uncle made in that. It's something along the same lines as that. Um, we then go to a school scene, obviously with that stereotypical establishing shot with the uh, pink cherry blossoms, you know, like all around the school dropping down, which usually, uh, you know, uh, symbolizes like a new beginning or in this case, the beginning of the anime. And uh, Kisei just leaves the room as soon as the uh, class is over and bumps into Akagi, the other girl that was watching the show at the start, who's clearly, clearly in a rush as she then proceeds to jump out of the window and lands on the roof of a lower part of the building before descending to the ground all like front flippy and forward roll as she lands, kind of Assassin's Creed style. So it's then clarified that she's going to be, she's running off to go see a Kamidayo live show that's going to be showing in their town, uh, which was established via some posters. And she's going to go into this, much to, this uh, much to the dismay of a rich, older, uh, a much, uh, not older, but a rich looking blonde girl who uh, is looking for her, who the other characters refer to as Canon. And she's um, upset because Akigi is going to go see the stage show just uh, whilst neglecting her rhythmic gymnastics club activities. So they're kind of using um, her rhythmic gymnastics background to establish why she's able to do that ninja-like stunt work um, and why she'll continue to do so for the rest of this episode. Um, we then go to the student council president of the school, Misaki, at, a, at the town hall. Uh, and she's sort of dismayed. She's having troubles herself because um, basically there's the amount of attendance for community events like, you know, festivals and stuff is declining. She's she's doing some sort of award ceremony and there's like nobody in the seats, basically, except for some old people. Mm. So, you know, an older gentleman does remark something uh, to her as she's backstage about how, you know, oh, you know, if only we had some sort of superhero or something like that. And clearly this is going to inspire her to kind of like, you know, needs to make some sort of change needs to happen. So... She's outside looking at a picture of her um, uncle who is implied to be like a governor or some sort of political figure within the, the town. So she's like the niece of like a, a governor and she's like thinking of what she needs to do next. And then she's approached by a mysterious female uh, figure behind her who says something like the start of something inspirational, like saying something like you need to start things off with like a bang or something. But then we do not see the rest of this encounter for the rest of this episode. Um, so we don't know what happened here, but... It's likely that it'll be expanded upon probably at the very end if they want to be very profound. Um, but it'll probably be what spurs her into sort of, you know, forming the sort of uh, local superheroine group of the town. So, yeah, 
she's doing that. And then Kise is taking her little sister on her bike to go see this live show as well. And then she witnesses Akagi, the girl who jumped out the window previously, doing some crazy stunt work, jumping off like another wall. And she's also got like a Kimidayo kind of mask on her back and reciting the phrases excitedly. To which Kise's little sister almost mistakes her for uh, Kamidayo for just a moment uh, before they split up and get it, before she manages to run further on ahead despite, you know, Kise being on a bike. But um, yeah, she arrives at the event, uh, but like. All of a sudden, like everybody who's dispersing from it seems very disappointed, and it seems that for some, for whatever reason, the event has been cancelled. Um, and this, this makes obviously this makes um, Akaki run away, like crying. But then, more, more kind of believable. Um, Kisei's little sister breaks down crying, knowing that she's not going to be able to meet her superhero, and she has like a drawing of her saying, like, you know, I love you, Kami Dayo, like on that paper as well. Because uh, she wanted to go see that show, and she's like, like a real kid in a, in a almost very believable sort of way, is just like crying nonstop. And you know, her sister's trying to calm her down and can't actually, you know, no matter what she reasons with her, like, oh, she's just fighting a monster in a nearby town, and that's why she couldn't make it to the show. But she's, you know, not having any of it. So under the pressure, she says that, yeah, I'll arrange for you to go see her, uh, which calms her down momentarily. But you know, inside, she's like, oh shit, what am I gonna do? Uh, I've just promised something I can't actually make good on uh so she's like can i see her tomorrow I was like uh give me till next saturday so she's all troubled obviously because she's feeling guilty because they they've had the, they had their bath together they've tucked her into bed and each time her little sister seems very excited about going to actually see kami dayo and her sister promised her this so it's kind of like a she's kind of guilted into it so and i've seen where she's like on the toilet where she's like taking a shit and literally shitting herself at the prospect of disappointing her little sister she decides like oh there was that girl who, like, oh, she actually knows Akagi because they're from the same school. Like, my sister mistaken her for Kamidayo. So she approaches her and asks, hey, if, could we make a live show temporarily to sort of, you know, not let my little sister down sort of thing? And Akagi obviously agrees, being, like, the ultimate fangirl she is of that live show. So she takes her to her room and shows her, like, all of her stuff. She's, like, the number one fangirl. And we kind of get a sequence of, of training montages uh, of her educating about you know, these, these Sentai show that she likes uh, about, like, them doing the stunt work and stuff. And it starts off with them being really, like, tired during it, but then during a later montage, they're able to stay awake during class, so they're, it kind of shows that they're coming onto their own. This is all happening in one week, by the way. But uh, while they're rehearsing on the live stage and they're doing some really impressive stuff for what I assume are high school girls, uh, like backflips, forward flips, just, like, everything, like, really, really impressive stunt work without any wires or anything... The uh, governor's niece or student council president notices this and, you know, is like, obviously seeing this as like, oh, this could be what we need sort of thing. So going over towards the end, they put on the live show. Obviously, it's lower budget than what the little kids would have hoped for. Um, she Kisei's gathered her little sister amongst all these other, like, younger elementary school boys and all these other kids. And at first, they're all laughing at their show. But... Due to some of the impressive stunt work, stunt work, which I have to say I would be really impressed to see as well, because like she jumps off like this really tall wooden watchtower that's from the Edo period to like jump kick a bunch of boxes, and I'm just really impressed that they're able to put this together in a week. But you know, uh, so eventually it turns the kids around from laughing at them to being rather impressed with them, and it goes down with a hitch. Meanwhile, the student council president is filming the whole thing, and it gets posted online, and you know it's it's also a bit of a hit as well. So. 
even though this went pretty well, it almost went too well because that watchtower ends up collapsing and, you know, the police get involved and everything. But luckily, because of the council president's links with the, you know, the actual government, the well, governing body of the town, I suppose, or city, uh, she's able to let this slide. But she also, you know, uses this as, op- uses this as an opportunity to pitch them, like, we're going to start our first, like, you know, super heroine group with these two as members sort of thing. And that kind of ends the episode off. So overall, I think the show was really good. It was pretty entertaining. It's definitely, out of everything I've mentioned so far, though, it's not the best animated, uh, you know, with the cut corners of those montages, which are mainly a bunch of stills. It's not even, like, the best directed. It's pretty standard with the way the shots are composed and everything. But at the same time, it still had quite a bit of a pulse to it. Like, there was enough, of a, there was enough comedy in there that was just kind of light. Um, like, for instance, when she's wearing, like, the box suit of, like, the villain, because it's made of, like, they, they can obviously afford a rubber suit, so she's wearing, like, a cardboard box made suit, and she's getting the shit beaten out of her by, like, the other girl playing the hero. And, you know, like, she has to end up, like, you know, take so many hits and flips and, like, a real drop kick to the groin and everything, but she's, like, just taking it for her little sister's thing. It's The comedy's played pretty well in it anyway. Um, so I'd, I'd say it was like, even though it has none of those, doesn't have the direction or the art that's really like high up there, that's kind of middle of the range to low budget. I'd say it has, dare I say, an anime pulse to it. So I will be probably continuing to watch this as it goes on. And uh, yeah, that's the first preview I have. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That is down for one. This is an interesting hybrid show. So I'm going to be reviewing Gate. Ooh, big famous one. Yeah, so uh, I really like Stargate SG-1. It's a fantastic show because it had the ultimate plot tool at its disposal, the Stargate. This mm-hmm. rotary-style intergalactic telephone portal could send the SG-1 team anywhere, along the writer's vast amounts of freedom uh, as to the location they could visit every episode. Uh, and, you know, what if though you could be sent to a world where a self-proclaimed lover of anime myself and an otaku, where would I want to go? Well, I personally would like to be sent to a world filled with real magic, because I don't believe in magic, so I'd actually like to see what real magic's like, and Monster Girls, because... Because. (laughs) There's, There's really no other way around it. Just Monster Girls. That would be so much more interesting... Mm-hmm. Like, we really need something cool to happen here on Earth. Yeah. Humans are kind of boring. Um, and even when they're they're most interesting, they can still be just like, well, you're just a human. You're doing everything else a human does. Mm. That's why we need other races. We need these cat girls. We need these dog girls in Japan. Come on, hurry up. Make them. We're waiting. By, well, scientific technology um, might be might be the way to go with that, I suppose, in the future. Yes, exactly. DNA splicing, when that becomes possible. Probably is possible. Probably will be banned, though, if I was to guess. Yeah, well, I mean, religious people will go crazy about it, but, I mean, if there are enough supporters out there, even the religions will have to kowtow bound. So, uh, that's the plot for Gate, basically. An interdimensional gateway magically appears in Ginza, Tokyo, and hundreds of invading forces burst forth. At first, everyone in the path of the invading forces is being torn apart as wyverns, pigmen, and knights take advantage of the unprepared civilians. This is also where we meet our main male protagonist, a man by the name of Itami, 
who proceeds to slit the throat of an invading knight and save some civilians by coordinating with police to rescue survivors. Itami is no random otaku whose convention plans just got ruined, though. He's actually an off-duty JSDF soldier. The JSDF then appear and completely mop the floor with the invading forces. Turns out guns are greater than spears and fighter jets are superior to wyverns. So this was de- this was definitely like the beginning of what to expect from this anime. In the days following the attack, Japan creates a task force to enter the gate, establish a base on the other side, and secure the portal into Tokyo. Which they do. Handedly, mind you. Other oh. nations near the magical gate, aside from America, who are portrayed as pig-headed assholes, uh, no one really makes any mention of trying to control the gate. Only America's like, yes, we shall take it for ourselves. <laughs> it's like, really? Well, I mean, with Trump in power, but still, with Trump in power, he wouldn't do anything. He'd just be like, I like that gate. It needs to be covered in gold. Put a wall around it. Yeah, I, I knew <laughs> I knew the wall joke was gonna come. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All these aliens coming from a different place gotta put a wall around it. Now, uh, yeah, America's not portrayed as real great in this one. Not that this was an inaccurate representation of America. You know, we are governed by asshats and money grubbers. This task force has a hierarchy. But due to the, his valor during the invasion, Itami was promoted to lieutenant and leads a platoon of soldiers to investigate the surrounding lands for resources and to establish communication with the locals. Itami's group, over the course of the anime, picks up a blonde elf girl named Tuka, who makes Itami her daddy, a sexy Lolita fashion-wearing demigoddess named Rori, a blue-haired mage girl named Lele, and finally, a dark elf named Yahweh, all of whom want Itami's D. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's one of those. Yeah, kind of. But what really got me was that at no point does magic and fantasy ever trump the technologically superior JSDF, and that the machines of war the Japanese bring with them send shivers of cold down the spines of onlookers, myself included. I loved the horrified expressions of the princess, who has the silly name of Pini Colada. <laughs> yeah, I know. And her uh... page, as they witness a, uh, I think it's an Apache helicopter, shred an enemy force to pieces with a minigun. Mm. I would be lying... If I said it didn't give me a boner. <laughs> uh, is it really graphic and just like really gory about it? Not just... really gory. It's just like, it's just like this thing. They're, they're all like, oh, iron pegasuses or like, like, what are those? Like, you know, and they're like looking at tanks and they're looking at helicopters and, and these other things. And it's just like stuff that's so common day these days to them is like this magic that is unexplained. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. You know, and while not as impressive, there was an episode where Rory, Lele, Tuka, Pini Colada, and one of her knights names uh, uh, Bones go through the gate to actually visit Japan's emissaries, mm-hmm. shocking the world with their presence and also being shocked by the world of skyscrapers and technology. 
The best part about the trip, however, was Rorty adding to her already banging attire of Lolita fashing, attempting to sleep with Itami, and fighting off a special forces squad that was actually sent to abduct the gang. Sexy demigazes aside, the anime really nails the action. It does a great job teasing you until you just can't take it anymore. And then it gives it to you like an like this asshole prince gives it to his bunny bitch. Oh yeah, I should mention them. See, later on, our main antagonist, who we think is this shitty prince, is actually a bunny girl who was once a queen. Her tribe was defeated by said prince, whose knights raped her tribe as the prince girl, as the prince had his way with her. Uh, Thankfully, nothing this prince does ever succeeds. And he gets his face beat in by both Itami and the spunky girl in Itami's platoon. And boy, does he piss me the fuck off with his brazen attitude and treatment of women. Mm. Bunny bitch gets on my nerves, though, with her revenge schemes, as she clearly succeeded in killing a res- as she nearly succeeded in killing a rescued Japanese woman uh, from the um, from the uh, regular forces. Because basically, what happened was before the gate was fully realized. Uh, kind of like scouting parties was sent out and they had abducted Japanese uh, people, women and men that they brought back and subsequently were raped and, you know, killed and stuff like that. This being Mm -hmm. one of them. And she basically wants to do this and start a war between Japan and the empire using her position as the princess's personal fuck bunny to goad him into doing things and also ordering around other hidden forces from the shadows. She basically wants to take revenge against her rapers by tricking them into getting the Japanese military pissed off at them so that they will get killed. However, it kind of backfires on her because she has to like retreat more than once along with her fuckwit of a prince because... The JSDF does not take lightly to their people being bullied. Yeah. Mm. But back to talk of action, which also included a huge battle against a red dragon. This is when we see that Lele and Tuka are fucking powerful magic users, but even their magic is no match for some good old fashioned C4. Right afterwards, we do meet another demigoddess who shits her panties when the JSDF rolls in with fighter jets and tanks, which was probably karma for her daring to harm our Lolita's demigoddess. And while this kind of action doesn't last, the tension and suspense don't stop until the very last episode, where we get some fan service closure as multiple parties reveal that they are dating, or seeing one another, including a hilarious couple that has the guy in the relationship constantly stating he will obey the law. Because uh, basically what it was is a uh, one of the Japanese's, um, what do you call them? Uh, diplomas, or diplomas, um, diplomats. One of the yeah. Japanese diplomats that was sent over... <clears throat> attracts the attention of this very young female princess. Lolly territory, we're talking here. And uh, to save her from basically being killed and possibly raped, he says that he'll marry her. And she, she, well, she, she actually does like him a lot. 
and um, I think he likes her too, but <laughs> but the other female characters like look on at him with like these like like very suspicious eyes, and he's like, "I'll obey the law. I'll wait until she's 18. <laughs> uh, and then right. okay. you know, and of course the lolly girl is just like, you know, we here it's kind of legal at any age, and he's like, "Not in Japan. Obey the law." <laughs> Good night. So. Yeah, the only downside to Gate was the fact it split into two cores, which was separated by a full season. If you're going to make us wait that long, just split the anime into two seasons and let me review each half. These mm-hmm. cores are confusing and annoying, forcing me to wait until whenever the entire season is finished before I review it. In the meantime, I forget small details, things that I would have liked to have talked about or mentioned. But I digress. I can't fault a good anime for its release schedule. Even an anime like Durarara, whose second season was broken up into three fucking cores. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. Genres here, fantasy, action, comedy. The animation was done by A1 Pictures, who mm. maintained an above-average animation for the majority of the series. Sadly, there were parts that lacked a detailed touch, but they were so far and few between that I never really made a stink about it. They did a great yeah. job with the action sequences, though. The explosions, the fighting, and the magic were all a sight to behold. Uh, for voice acting, I don't really have too much to say here. I did love Junichi Suwabe's uh, voice as Itami. And, oh. of course, Risa uh, Tanade as Rory was just so yummy. Rory's Nothing... the Lolita uh, one. I mean. Yeah, the Lolita. Yeah. Uh, nothing like a commanding and sultry female voice to play the part of a demigoddess that gets off on killing her opponents. Yes, she gets off on killing her opponents because it makes ah. her feel good. And it's actually explained because she's kind of a demigoddess of death, so when she kills people, their souls have to pass through her, which is kind of sexual. Ah, okay, yes. right. It's that angle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hands down, my favorite character was Rory Mercury. Her character design, I loved it. Her personality, I loved it. Her backstory, I loved it. At no point did I ever stop loving her character. Even when she got beat up, it was only because she had actually formed a pact with Itami, absorbing any physical damage to him. Because during the big red dragon battle, he takes a lot of damage. And she absorbs that damage in turn. She gets beat the fuck up. For her part in the deal, she gets his soul when he dies. Oh, wow. so yeah, mm-hmm. he you know he dies. He's basically going to be spending an eternity with the goddess of death, which, in all actuality, really doesn't sound like Itami got off on that bad either. Yeah, not from the way you're describing it. No, no, so he, he sounds like he got a good deal for it. Kind of being a harem-ish setup, she's definitely won in that way. Yeah, she wins in that way, but. It's definitely maintained in a balance because it's never like she's the pure breadwinner, like he's going to be the one I, you know, she cho- you know, he chooses her. Because there are a lot of female characters that compete for his heart and they all try their hardest. I mean, you have the blonde elf girl who has daddy issues because her daddy got killed in a attack by a red dragon. And so mm-hmm. she makes Itami her daddy because... It helps her cope with the loss. But Uh, then she starts to see him in a more, like, you know, other daddy fashion. So instead of, like, yeah, be my daddy, you're you're my father, more like, be my daddy, my sugar daddy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Lele doesn't make it seem too 
Yeah, and Lele yeah. is our blue mage haired girl. She's kind of a more of a um like a Rayanami type character, very expressionless, doesn't emote much, but mm-hmm. she has these really cute moments where she uh where like uh Itami will like uh he'll like praise her or something, she does something good or, and she just like you know smiles and or like she blushes blushes really deeply or something like that. Um and she mm-hmm. also uh, basically stole his um, marriage rights somehow because she slept with him and uh, by forming a certain pact with him while he was sleeping, he's basically her husband. Because wow. it wasn't official marriage. That doesn't happen. And Itami is, of course, like a little bit like that. That doesn't count. She's like, no, it counts. You're my husband. And that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And the uh, dark elf girl is... She's kind of like the third wheel or fourth wheel in oh, this case. Okay. That's yeah, she mm-hmm. she's still pretty, you know, she's still pretty sexy, which Ichigo, let me tell you, he has a thing for dark elf girls. But uh yeah, she just doesn't really <laughs> leave that much impact and even Pina Colada, the uh weirdly mm-hmm. named princess is more attracted to has more of like a chance with Itami than I think uh Yaoi does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do, do they establish? Because like you know, mentioned like all these girls want him and stuff, but do they establish quite well like differing reasons why they each want him or. Yeah, so because the the blonde haired girl wants him because he saved her. So you know, knight in shining armor kind of thing. He rescued her. He played her daddy for a while, and you know he basically saved her from psychological trauma that would cripple her. Rory likes him because she loves teasing him. And he's super easy to tease, uh, but he's also very mature. Like more than once, she's tried to, like, have sex with him, and he's been like, "I won't do this. This isn't happening." And she's getting frustrated. Like, you're like one of the only guys I'd ever offer my body to, and you're not doing it. I will have you inside me at some point. Mm-hmm. And the Lele girl likes him because he's very smart. He's very logical. Um, he, he he doesn't show it. He acts like a goofball. But more than once, like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, he took this training. And all, like, the other teammates in his squad will be like, he took that training? You mean the training that only, like, 10% of the JSDF ever accomplish? Even, like, the, the badass spunky girl that is always trying to compete for, like, I'm the best in the team. She's always mm-hmm. like, no, 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 that, that, that can't be real. No, this is all a dream. He can't have completed that. That that our commander completed that? No, 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 no. That's that's not right. This is this is all a dream. This is just a funny dream. <laughs> because he, he's actually badass. He just doesn't act. He's very he's mm. a very gentle giant kind of character. Mm-mm. Humble yeah. about that. In fact, he was actually married at one point. When they go back to oh. Earth, um, they show that he did have a wife, but because he was in the JSDF, they kind of ended up breaking apart, and so they just had, like, a divorce. But he he's mature enough where, yeah, he had a wife. He and he's, you know, that... It surprised me. I was like, he had a wife? Are you yeah, kidding me? This is, like, this is probably the first male character I've seen in anime in I don't know how long that was actually married, and his wife is still alive. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that she's still alive. Wow, yeah, she's okay. still alive because they visit her at one point when they're on Earth. They go back to Earth and they're in uh, Japan. They actually visit her because they're being chased around by America's 
uh, squad of like retards that want to kidnap the <laughs> you know the special uh, people but uh the uh they, they they go and visit her to like camp out overnight and they're all basically talking about itami and why she fell for him and she's like well we both like the same things and he was a really nice guy and we got along super great and sex was really good and they're like wait wait what <laughs> like oh yeah it was super good but he just wasn't around enough and i wanted someone who was and so you know that's oh, where the other so girls have more of a chance because they're all they're all with him at all ah. times because they're part of his squad basically mm-hmm. okay i see so yeah i'm definitely giving this a download now download now okay yep download now for gate mm. all right so let's uh, kick we- things into with our last preview here okay so, start off with a brief with a brief uh, quote that basically summarizes the whole thing before it's even over. So, for me, dear reader, that place was purgatory incarnate, neither good nor bad, but a gateway to great rewards or even greater punishments. By Joss Sheldon. So, Centaur no Nayami or Centaur's worries makes me worry. Like I mentioned in prior podcasts, the summer 2017 anime season has been filled with all sorts of very interesting looking shows. Though either because we had two seasons back a show that was very similar in concept, Interviews with Monster Girls, this one kind of slipped through the cracks. So only towards the end when we were exhausting the list of things to check out did we give Centaur a ride last Saturday. Which is a good thing too, in fact, because the show would have overshadowed many of the other more forgettable series this season, not in how monumentally good or bad it is, but in the fact that it is an enigma that is, I've spent close to a week trying to categorise in my mind. Uh, perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's just quickly overview... Well, probably not quickly, but let's overview the events of the plot. Uh, so the episode starts with Puckered Lips, um, a really detailed shot of Puckered Lips, by the way. You can see the pink around the mouth and everything. And then it goes into a shot of two girls kissing. And those two girls being the centaur, uh, Kimihara Himeno, and the demon, Gokuraku Nozomi. So, multiple reaction shots of the classmates gasping in surprise, like some sort of shonen jump fight scene. And then we learned that the kiss was not something initially scripted, but an amendment made by uh, made to Himeno's script by uh, Hattori, a member of the class, uh, a guy who was initially cast to pay, play the prince. But it turns out that um, what we're watching right now is basically the rehearsal for a class play, class play, play organized for the school's festival, uh, to which Himeno was cast as princess, and Nozomi is now the prince because Hattori got caught bribing people to be the prince. So that amendment was left in the script, but he's now kicked out of it. So now what I can assume from this and the subsequent set of scenes leading up to the play is that this is all supposed to establish characters, um, but they're all very cut and paste because like, you know, he, we just get pretty one of the middle descriptions. Himeno is gentle and innocent. Nozomi is slightly tomboyish in appearance. And... Mitama Manami is a strict class president who gets flustered easily when so much as a kiss is mentioned. So, they barely introduce the third main girl of the group, which is the half satyr girl, Naraku Kyoko, which is weird seeing as class president is more of a supporting role. Uh, and yet, for some reason, she's the only member of the cast to have her profile filled in on my anime list. Anyways, we get some forgettable scenes with a little bit of foreshadowing about a wooden platform and the class being made a bit unstable for them to stand up on during the um, play. Which, like, no shit. Like, this is like a dinky-looking wooden platform made by class classmates that are, I suppose, early high school. Like, they never established the age. 
But of course it can't support someone whose weight is literally the same as a horse. But it's not. Um, it must be the builder's fault, which the anime implies is built by members of the class, which is also bullshit, because this is a pretty large-scale professional-looking set of platforms, um, and the faculty just let students work on it unsupervised in a normal classroom. Not like a woodworking studio or like an art studio at the school, it's just a normal class. So you think the supernatural elements would be the only thing that's distracting, and trust me, we'll get to those, but given that this world is supposed to be identical to ours, besides there being no regular humans, even the elements that are supposed to be normal just don't add up. It's only contrived that way so that the stage will, co- will also malfunction during and break into pieces during the actual performance so that we can get our next Yuri moment. Uh, so rounding up the first part of the show, um, the, about, uh, the show is about basically about kissing, that first part. Uh, it starts off with that Yuri bait kiss that I mentioned pre- previously. And then rumours spread around the, the school where all the girls are really interested in seeing them kiss and they're trying to peek in the rehearsals and they also want to see them kiss during the actual performance. But then it, when it looks like they're about to settle on just a hug alone, the stage breaks, which makes Himeno have to rescue Nozomi and then Nozomi thanks her with a peck on the cheek. Arc over. The third girl is peeved that she didn't get her kiss. That's the end of that. Cue the opening that has classic, clashing levels of animation and content and the opening plays in the middle of the show. So the OP is actually sums up the feel of the show quite well. It's not so much the animation, since it's fairly decent during the episode, but it's the content that's in constant dissonance. There's Slice of Life, there's Echi, there's Yuri, there's action fantasy, kind of, in the opening, and then some Moe-focused stuff, and they're kind of blended like oil and water. But anyway, then we get the most important scene of the show. Um, and... Dare I say, if they were going to have a scene that was going to explain why, you know, the way, why humans are the way they are in this world, they should have probably put this at the start. But summarising, the class is getting this lecture from a teacher who uses pseudoscience linking the difference, uh, the difference in their kind of bodies to ours in our world to evolution. And that there were now four co- uh, courses of evolution that have been taken based on, like, the races that survived. So basically... We evolved in our world from four-legged amphibians, but they died out in this world from this enemy. So all that survived were animals that had six limbs, that evolved from sea life that had six limbs initially. So we have four species of beings in this world that the show explains. There's wing humanoids, which consists of angels and imps, or demons, some sources say demons. There are humanoids that include cat folk, goat folk, and fawns. There are centaurs, which also used to include were-tigers before they were extinct. And finally, mermaids, and presumably mermen. So, there are two things that are particularly worth noting about this scene, though. And I think that's pretty... The first thing is the blatant commentary about our world. The first thing they mention is the distinct differences between the races in their world and how it caused atrocities such as, like, subjugation and slavery of the centaurs in the past. And the teacher talks about how amphibians... If amphibians survived that had four legs... Uh, and evolved to become like humans like us, you know, there would only be minor differences such as skin colour, hair colour, eye colour, etc. So they're obviously relating it to our world. Um, Where it gets kind of racy, pun intended, is the line made by the teacher that says, if humans of this nature were to exist, it is unlikely that there would be discrimination or conflict between the races. See? Get it? Because in Hmm. our world, there's racism. And the show is... And so the show is kind of saying, if centaurs, angels, and cat people can get along, why can't people in your world? Basically. That so, seems like an odd injection of, like, in the slice of life comedy kind of thing, supernatural mm. fantasy, where it's just like, 
oh, uh, happy, happy stuff going on. And then it's just like political statement. Happy stuff going on. Huh? Yeah. Just laughing. No, that, just like, wait, is, what did you just say? Huh? This what? Show Nothing. Really weird. Here's a yeah. rainbow that's covered mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, in happiness. And it's, okay. Yeah. If, if it just stuck to the rainbows and the happiness or just stuck in the political stuff, it'd be easy. <laughs> but then it just goes back and forth. It's really weird. Uh, the rest of the scene is also really weird. Um, like the next detail that we find is, is a bit more unsettling. See, while she's giving this talk, there's these shots of these men with like suits on that are watching into the class from the outside. And there's no explanation given as to who they are. But we can assume they're either higher up members of the school or just authority figures in some way. And the first thing I thought is that this looks creepy because their eyes are shaded out and I wasn't sure what the purpose was. But then as the teacher's finishing up her explanation, she glances all shifty-like to the side of them when she finishes off after saying words to the effect of total unity slash equality is more important than anything else, more important than your civil rights or life itself. Now, let's stand up and sing our anthem. So that the class president, like, gets everybody to stand, and then it just kind of cuts. She, the, the shady men look at each other, like, all approvingly, like, yes, yes, that was good, that was good. And then, I don't even know. Like, the music is also kind of weird. It's, like, overly dreamy and relaxed music. It feels like I'm watching some sort of propaganda tape. Uh, like, I don't want to get too much into politics here, but this is just kind of weird. Like, unlike the Yuri Heavy section of the show at the start, I wouldn't be surprised if this never comes back. You know, uh, uh, you know it's just... There's this weird thing about race and then politics in there. Like, it felt like she was giving some sort of communist speech there. It was, it was really weird. But, yeah, finishing off, the last section is very standard. You know, goes back into Slice of Life, Cute Girls Doing Cute Things show. Our three main girls are do, taking a class jog. And basically, Kyoko, the satyr girl of the group, she's like a half-ram person, is unfit. And it transitions into a uh, conversation about fitness, how centaurs can actually run 100 metres in nine seconds, which is supposed to be quite fast. I I don't know what that means personally, how much that means miles per hour. Um, Which does involve uh, her almost crashing into a car demonstrating this. But that was the most exciting part of the episode. Seeing, uh, But seeing as it was episode one, I wasn't holding my breath whether something interesting like her getting into a car accident was actually going to happen. Pretty standard life, standard slice of life affair afterwards. They have odd subjects that cover, like, you know, uh, how if a center gains too much weight, they have a hard time wiping their ass. Uh, and how it's, uh, you know, taboo to ride a centaur because racial, racial tensions or something like that. Um, anyway, the punchline of the scene is basically Nozomi lecturing her about, Kyoko, about how she shouldn't slack off. And then it goes to their, it gets to their exams. Uh, and basically the result of that and it's reversed now because now Kyoko's top of the class and Nozomi's at the bottom so it's like oh you shouldn't slack out studying then so end on one last Yuri pandering shot with Nozomi resting her head on Himeno's ample bosom and cue the credits so in conclusion interviews with why do I exist is an interesting show many of my (laughs) conclusions to whether I'll continue to watch a show can be simplified as to ascertaining my interpretation of the artist's intent and whether the show manages to succeed in meeting it. While one can definitely streamline this process by simply browsing the genre tags uh, and seeing if it stands out from its peers, like we've seen from last week's Noran Echo getting the etchy tag, despite it not really having too much etchy in it, yeah. the, we can take tags sort of like the Pirate's Code and that they're more like guidelines. And that's especially true of Centaur Musume, 
Like, I cannot grasp a consistent line of intent with this show, and thus I find it difficulty find difficulty branding it a failure or success. Uh, an initial thought from my friend was like, oh, you know, this is maybe pandering to the crowd who like Monster Musume. To which I couldn't help but respond with, but is it really? Because no, it's sh- not. No. <laughs> I can tell you now it's not. No. Uh, because it feels like it's doing some, that, something amongst all sorts of other things, but it goes all in on nothing. So, is it a fan service show? Well, not really, because the opening has the most fan service-esque shots you'll get. Maybe it's Yuri. I mean, the anime starts off with mouth-to-mouth between two female leads and what some could consider romantic moments, but they're just played off as light comedy and an undertone of their relationship. And I read some disappointed reactions from people online saying that the manga doesn't include Yuri. Like, that much, or at all later on. So No, it's it's actually the manga's very heavily slice of life, where it's just... it's has more of a focus, and it, the focus is more on you know, discussing the nature of species and how they cope with your everyday human issues. Right. Mm-hmm. That would make a lot more sense with this show because, you know, you have, like, everything is, like, they explain some things but not everything and then leave so many questions visually there because, like, even though this is, like, played off, like, that same sort of slice of life thing like you mentioned with the manga, you know, with the, the tone is right, the colors are right, the pacing's sort of right for that as well. But you see, it's like Slice of Life should kind of be at least just at least that, you know, a little insight into the way the characters live their lives, however subtle. But the way the show doesn't draw too much attention to the fact that everyone is some sort of mythical creature and starts at seemingly random point in the characters' lives, you know, it, it adds to that Slice of Life feel. But I object to it being that because, it, you know, it, asks, it makes you ask so many more questions than it actually answers. And that's not particularly relaxing or like really slight. It doesn't give me much insight into where they, they live their lives and there's not much plot to supplement that curiosity. So seriously, these girls are like walking f- from school, chatting their usual chat, but then, you know, uh, like, but I can't help but notice how everything just looks normal. I mean, it would be fine if the centaur was the only outlier, but it's established that centaurs make up a decent chunk of the population. Like they're at least one of the four species, two of which have like, Rat, you know, like have ram horns and pointless tails, and one that gives you the full, full lower body of a horse. But that is not even getting into the characters that have halos in this anime because, like, they have what looks like CDs on top of their heads and it's attached with like an antenna. Like, they'll probably explain this in the future uh, if I watch past episode one, which probably won't, but you know, they'll probably explain that. But you know, like, I feel like the last same person alive when like this is all treated as normal, but we're, we're gonna bother answering about how, like, oh. If you get too fat, you can't wipe your ass because, you know, you can't turn around and twist your body enough, you know. But, yeah, point, point is, the world, the world looks very poorly conceived to make those races live in harmony look like a normal thing. Like, you see a car and you're like, oh, yeah, cars exist. Like, how does a grown centaur get to work on the tube? Are their cars especially modelled for them to drive or are they just expected to gallop to work? Her PE trousers go over her lower centaur body, like all four of her legs. How does she get that on? Like, mm-hmm. If the show had yeah, like an I, saw, mm. I yeah. actually saw a hentai oh. uh, doujin that did this better, where the hen- the centaur was wearing a skirt that was pulled with a like a pull cord, so that um, it was done a comedic effect where like these little kids are like running by with an umbrella and it catches on the pull cord and it pulls her skirt away. Uh, so that's what it makes it easier for her to you know yeah go that. to the bathroom and stuff with this pull cord. But pants on a horse. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This isn't Mr. Ed we're talking about. No, I think they just need to put a zipper right down the back, like in the middle or something, just something to kind of make you feel, oh, right, that's how they get it on sort of thing. But no, it's just, it's just on all four legs, you know, it's PE trousers, and you're just thinking, how that's not possible, and it's just, it works to distract you from everything, you know? They, yeah. don't have, they don't have to go to interview with Monster Girls level to make it, sh- you know, explain everything of how they coexist, but, you know, at least not make it visually distracting. So, yeah, in, in terms of it going to Slice of Life, that's that's it just failing to do that alone. If I created an anime uh, where you, like, you were on... I don't even know how you define Slice of Life exactly nowadays, because, like, you know, if you were to make an anime on Mars and, like, you just show the daily routine of the inhabitants on Mars... Would that be slice of life? Because you know it's, or is it something to do with the way audiences relate to how they live? Like, is it about relationships between people? Romance is 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 that part of slice of life? Or I don't know. So, so uh, this is Centaur uh, Musume. Um, <laughs> is it a masterpiece? I don't know. I and I better stop there. So, in conclusion, I will probably not keep watching at least for now. As mentioned, there are plenty of shows this season that I'd say are definitely good and thus deserve priority. While you could go worse than this, you can certainly do better than this. So I better stop because my brain's fried. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for our reviews. Um, I would like to mention that uh, Tim and Waltall have been hard at work trying to get the show to do more than what it is. And I do think they'd like us to get back to doing live shows. So... Uh, look for those in the coming future. I just need to get uh, I need to get Andrew set up with Vent. Um, although before that happens, I would like him to have better internet because as it stands right now, the uh, even just Skype with him is sometimes not great because there's a bit of lag and there's a mm. lot of uh, mm, uh, like I don't know how to describe it. It's like robotic twanging. Where it's uh, like his voice will go, and then it will disappear for a while and then come back and it'll be like, okay, he's still talking good. <laughs> I didn't lose him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. It's, well, for, for at least as, as, as of recently, there's just been a lot of work being put into the area, but they have recently started installing fiber optic cables in the area, so that will start becoming available to us. So we're thinking about looking in for faster internet soon. So that'll be that, yeah, that will help a lot, especially with uploads and downloads and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah all right so until then i guess we'll just uh, keep things going as they are and as always keep watching keep listening and keep the anime love strong 